JC Media, let's go. Welcome back in, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of JC Media. We're here on Sunday, June the 28th of the beast of a year 2020. All right, I'll thank you again for settling in with me here. 2020, man, <laughs> I keep saying it is a, isn't it a fun time? Isn't it a fun time? We're never going to forget this year. Um, hopefully you don't forget any year of your life. Hopefully you don't forget, but we're really not going to forget this year. And today, got a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, well, first regarding the country, our country, the United States, trying to move forward. Um, and yet, we are continuing to get a record amount of reported coronavirus cases. Um, the big ones here are Texas, Arizona, and Florida. Um, these states that decided that they were going to open up early and not follow certain lockdown orders, or there was never an order because the states, the way that America works, the states had their rights and the governors had their rights to implement uh, whatever regulations that they wanted to. So these, so these three states, we'll just use it as an example, Texas and Florida and Arizona, and I'll even throw Wisconsin in there because we're here in Chicago and we're right next to Wisconsin. But, but those states decided that they were just going to have everything opened up very early and they weren't going to require masks. Um, they were going to keep restaurants open, spas open, gyms open. I don't know exactly what every state was doing for every specific thing, but now we see that cases are surging and this is just a <laughs> this is just another example of like only in America only in America i mean you know some of these european countries uh they were able to find ways in order to slow the spread um in order to get everybody on the same page I think of Italy, I think of Spain um, with their lockdowns and having people staying in. And it, it just seems like that, say, in the countries in the European Union, in these European nations, there is more of a sense of kind of like this sense of community where you know, we're all going to come together and we're all going to um, do the best that we can with this shitty situation. And we're going to take the precautions that we need. We're going to do it to protect ourselves, to protect our families and to protect everybody around us. Um, because at the end of the day, if we're not, if we have no interest in protecting everybody around us and, you know, the greater global community, then how are we going to be safe ourselves? How are we going to solve this problem? It's not so simple here. It's not so simple in America. No, no, no. No, no, no. And for good reason. Uh, 
there, there's a lot of complexities to the situation. And we are a nation of freedom. We also happen to be the third most populous nation in the world. And like I said, we're a nation of freedom. Uh, China's the most populous nation in the world, but with the <laughs> political system that they got going on there, they are much easier uh, capable of implementing some sort of lockdown. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't really think that I have the answers to this whole COVID situation, but but part of me just feels like a little like if people could just give up their pride a little bit and be more willing to make a couple of sacrifices. And I'm not telling you that to never leave your house. I don't, I've left my house every single day during this whole lockdown. But if you're one of these people who's like, oh, fuck wearing a mask anywhere I go. And whenever I walk into a business, I'm just not going to wear a mask in order to prove a point because nobody can force me to do that. Well, you're just kind of a dick then. Because the way that I see it is that if I'm going to go into, if I'm going to patronize a business, all right, where there's other people patronizing said business, you know, I don't know who is going to be comfortable and who's going to be really uncomfortable and afraid um, of what it is that is out there. So I'll wear my mask. And part of me even feels like, well, you know, I, I don't need cameras around or everybody recognizing my face. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I prefer... Uh, those types of face masks that are like, I call them a face sleeve. You know, they pull down your head and they cover your neck and you can just easily pull it up and pull it down. Those are good. I, I think those are good for the apocalypse. I got to get a couple more of those. But yeah, uh, like, who knows when we're going to be able to have nice things again here? Who knows when we're going to be able to travel to other countries uh, you like who knows what the EU is going to do about American travelers? You know, who knows if sports is even going to be able to start on time? Speaking of which, talk to you about sports in, in my next segment. I want to give a shout out to my my good buddy Daniel, um, who actually uh, got me introduced um, into the league I'm about to talk about, which also happens to be the first of the major American team sports leagues to come back and play, and that would be the National Women's Soccer League, also known as the NWSL. So the NWSL uh, obviously has been in the same boat as everybody else where they were supposed to start their season in about late March, early April time, but obviously that's when 
we had this first big surge of the coronavirus and that was not able to happen. So now they have uh, a sort of round robin-esque tournament that they've set up. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure how the tournament works, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but that started this week. That started yesterday. Uh, one of the teams, the Orlando Pride, I was told, had several players who went out to a bar there in Florida, as we already discussed, is one of the hot spots. And then about six players and four coaches, I believe, ended up testing positive for COVID. So they had to drop out. Uh, it's one of those situations like, wow, that, that really sucks. Uh, but it just kind of shows you what we're dealing with. Just don't go to bars, people. Like, I was discussing with my friends last night. It's just, of all the most unclean places you can go, like, just think about, uh, when was the last time that you were at a bar and you walked into the bathroom and you were like, wow, they, they do a really good job of keep, keeping this bathroom clean. No, it's it's disgusting. And for some reason in the men's room, I'll say there's always ice in the urinal. I never understood that. So then you start peeing in the urinal and you start melting the ice. It's like a game. <laughs> anyway, the NWSL came back yesterday. And the Chicago Red Stars lost 2-1 to one to the Washington Spirit. That's too bad. Because we're, we're Chicago here. But one big story was how many of the players were taking a knee before said matches were going to take place. So if I'm reading from this article right here, as the North Carolina Courage and Portland Thorns kicked off the action in Utah, marking the return of pro team sports in the United States, players took a knee during the national anthem to protest racial injustice, police brutality, and systemic racism against black people and people of color in America while wearing Black Lives Matter shirts over their jerseys. That moment continued on in the second match of the day between the Chicago Red Stars and the Washington Spirit. Players again wore Black Lives Matter shirts, and many starters took a knee during the national anthem. The last seen image came from Chicagoland native Casey Short and Red Stars captain Julie Ertz, who, by the way, happens to be the wife of Zach Ertz, um, a pro football player, tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Red Stars captain Julie Ertz. Short, moved to tears by the moment, was embraced by Ertz as the two shared a powerful and emotional moment. And then there's another quote here. And, and I think that I think that the league, the NWSL here, does a really good job of, of telling the general public kind of where they stand on their players protesting. So I'm going to read that quote to you guys right now. 
We are incredibly proud of our players for being the first major sports league to return to play in the U.S. and doing so in a safe way, while also bringing attention to the fight for racial justice. We want to make it clear that the Black Lives Matter shirts, Black Lives Matter armbands, and pre-kickoff moment of silence were player-led initiatives. The players are unified in this statement. Whether a player chooses to kneel or stand during the national anthem is a personal decision and is not indicative of whether they support BLM or their teammates. The Players Association supports both making a clear statement that Black Lives Matter and each player making a personal decision around whether to stand or kneel during the national anthem. We ask that our supporters and media respect each player's right to handle these moments in the way that they choose and to know that our players are a are united against racism and in support of one another. And quite honestly, I don't know what else you can ask of them. Um, I know that it's gonna, it's taken many people a lot of time to even have any sympathy for Colin Kaepernick. Um, for what he did back in 2016. Um, I will say I was one of those who supported Kaepernick the whole way. Um, not that that really matters. Not that, not that my voice or my opinion, you know, holds much weight in that. Um, however, I, I just, I, I hope people can, can really think about if this is the type of thing that bothers you, why? Why does it bother you? Why does somebody silently taking a knee in order to protest the treatment of a specific group of people in our country bother you so much? I left it silent for a second, so you can really let that question sink in. Um, disrespecting the flag, disrespecting the military are no longer appropriate arguments, all right? That has been debunked. We already know. It, 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 it was never about the military. It was never about the flag, ever. So don't, so don't try to go there. Don't try to go there. Um, admittedly, though, I, I've never been a big fan of soccer. Um, I'm trying to get into new sports more. But I think that this statement released by the National Women's Soccer League Players Association uh, is, it, it should be an example for the rest of the sports leagues as they move forward. And that will lead us uh, into our next segment on the other major sports coming back. I am a big sports fan in general, um, as I've discussed before. Uh, my, my favorite sport to follow, my favorite sport to watch, listen on the radio, keep up with, is baseball. All right? It, it, it has been since my childhood. Uh, baseball, baseball is like my sport. I love um I love, you know, it's such a big part of it being the summer, you know, where it's, it's this long, uh, it's this long drawn out 
almost like theater of a season. And of course this year is is different. And the Players Association and the owners finally made a deal. They finally made a deal this past Tuesday, June 23rd. We're going to have 60 games. The players are going to get their full prorated salaries. And we're going to have some baseball, hopefully. Players are supposed to report to their home cities on July 1st. So that is this coming Wednesday. And we're going to have games around June 23rd, June 24th. Hopefully. Hopefully. You know? Sometimes when uh, <laughs> people say, see you later, I'll see you, uh, you know, next week. Be like, yeah, hopefully. You know, we don't know. You just don't know. Every day's a gift. Um, yeah, I, I'm ready to watch some sports. I'm ready to, you know see what happens to to start to get into baseball like we've never seen it before um and you know despite how ugly these negotiations were uh despite how viciously dogged we saw that these owners are I'm happy that Baseball decided or that the Baseball Players Association fought as hard as they did to get as much money out of the season as they could. Um, because these are this is the thing, you know, and it's not like any of these baseball owners are going to listen to this anyway. But I just want to say, and for any of these sports owners, all right. You know, we, we I think we've seen very clearly this year the way that sports owners kind of operate. They're, they're, they're just like any other of these ultra-billionaires. All right, if you watched The Last Dance um, and you saw the way that Jerry Reinsdorf handled Scottie Pippen's contract, um, why don't you go, or, or if you go back to 2016... And uh, you remember the way, and you hear about the way that Jerry Jones, uh, the owner for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, spoke about um, if any of his players kneeled, he said that you will not kneel, all right? You will stand for the national anthem, all right? And these baseball owners just trying to get every last dollar, just pinch every last dollar that they possibly could when you're the owner. You own a business. You took on the risk. All right? So we're all in this situation together. So why are you not able to negotiate in good faith to try to get the most possible games and the most... And and you're going to take a loss. You are going to take a loss. Everybody's taking a loss right now. Everybody has had their income slashed. But why can you not be bullish on your own investment? It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, 
they're trying to implement a 48-game season here at one point, and people laugh. So at the end of the day, we get 12 more games, 60 games, and like I said, I'm going to watch because I love this. I love the game. I'm going to tune back in to my cubbies. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see if we even make it. it it's going to be a story. I'm going to see... I'm excited to see, you know, how many of the players are wearing masks. Um, but like I was talking about before, baseball players, they need those uh, face coverings, those those neck coverings they can just easily pull over their, their nose and mouth. Um, you could, They come up to the plate and they're by the catcher and the umpire. Just pull it up. You can put your team logo on it. You can maybe even put your number on it. Easy. I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. The point I was trying to make was these owners better know that none of the fans are watching the game because of them. All right? They, nobody cares. N- N- Cubs fans, and I'll say this as a Cubs fan, we don't give a shit about Tom Ricketts and his cash flow, his investments. He's, fi- he's going to be fine anyway. The dude's a billionaire. No. People are tuning in to watch their favorite players. They are tuning in to watch their favorite teams. All right? These are the people that we go and cheer for. All right? People go and people watch basketball to watch LeBron James, to watch Giannis and James Harden and all these great players. We don't give a shit about the owners. You know? And... If y'all would just negotiate in good faith, I don't know. It, it's it's too logical. It's 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 too logical. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um. I hope that it doesn't exacerbate the number of uh, COVID cases. I hope they have a good plan. But this movie of a year of 2020 will continue to roll out. I'm looking forward to it. I wanted to wrap up today by uh, talking a bit more, you know, on a serious note, which uh, the podcast has tended to be more on a serious note uh, since I've started here this month, here in June of 2020, uh, just because of everything that is going on in our nation as it relates to race relations. Um, and I got into some discussions this past week that really got me thinking about a few things. Um, and one of them is about this idea of rioting and looting and how that quickly after the George Floyd killing and the unrest and the protests and the riots which erupted after, you know, 
that is when the narrative always shifts away from what initially happened like what was what was the spark that that ignited this this big chaotic event that we saw all throughout the country at the end of last month going into early this month and you know these protests are still going on today all right the spark that ignited that was the killing of an unarmed black man where we saw a policeman literally put his knee on this man's neck for eight and a half minutes and not lift his knee off for eight and a half minutes. By the time he did lift the knee, this man was already dead. But... After the rioting and the looting starts, then the narrative starts to shift to, oh, these are anarchists. Oh, these these people are, you know, they say they're for Black Lives Matter, but they just want to loot Target and everything. And, you know, I, I may be saying, I, I may be a little simplistic in the way I describe that right now. Um, however, I have one thing to say to that. Uh, why don't we look at the source of the violence? All right. So if, if we're so, if we're so afraid, if, if we're so turned off by violence in the streets, by protests, by protests that get a little uneasy, by uh, statues getting torn down, by businesses getting their windows smashed in, by windows getting looted. You know, I'm not saying any of this stuff is, like, a good thing. I'm not saying that anybody should go out and do any of this. Um, I didn't do any of this, um, and I'm not going to go out and agitate and throw rocks or loot. Uh, I think that would be pretty hypocritical of me to do that, to be quite honest. But... When we start to only focus on, see, look, look, these people right here, you know, they, they, they say Black Lives Matter, but, you know, they just, they just want to steal and get their shoes and, and everything. They just want to steal and get, get PlayStation and all that, loot Best Buy and all of that. See, see, first of all, you know that's not true, okay? <laughs> you, you, you know that's not true. You know what else you know? All right. But, you know, either it's unconscious to you or you just refuse to admit yourself to yourself is what the source of the violence is. All right. So, you know, I think one thing that White America, a way in which white America could could take a really good hard look at itself, which I'm trying to do, is to see about, you know, when you see the violence and the looting and the riots... 
What is your guttural reaction to that? Is it like, oh, these people, you know, they always do this? Um, you know, the, like I said, they say Black Lives Matter, but they just want to steal. I mean, if you do think that way, I think you have a very limited understanding of the scope of the actual issue. Okay, so we are a country that essentially worships violence. I mean, worship is a strong word, but you think about with our military, um, you think about with like Hollywood and the movies and the TV shows that we watch, um, and then you think about the police and the way that the police have conducted themselves in these uh, lower-income communities in these uh, communities where people of color tend to reside, all right? What's the famous phrase? To protect and serve. Do they protect and serve those communities? Well, as we've seen throughout history, not really. In fact, they do quite the opposite. They're more an occupying force there. They intimidate, they subjugate, they control. They arrest for petty offenses, they disrespect, humiliate, and in the worst case scenario, they kill. And then don't get indicted. Don't get convicted. Sometimes don't even get fired from their job and are off free. And yet, we're worried about, oh, Target got looted. Oh, boo-hoo. The, the boxer briefs got taken or something like that. Oh, they're, they're being violent. They, they need to be totally peaceful. What is the source? Okay. The source of the problem started when an unarmed black man was killed by a police officer when... He kneeled on this man's neck for eight and a half minutes. But, no, then people looted, so that's what we need to look at. That's what we need to look at. Okay. Do you think that if there was not so much distrust, if there was not so much animosity... That has already been built up, alright? I don't I'm not even gonna go through all the other names of the unarmed black people who who have been killed. But do you think that had that stuff not happened, that had this stuff not been happening for years and years and years and years and years and years, that there would be any need for people to rise up and burn down businesses, and smash windows? Do you think that? I mean, this, the point I'm trying to make is if that's what you're concerned about, if, if you're concerned about America becoming a less safe place because there's unrest and there's going to be people out in the streets breaking things and agitating... Well, why did this happen in the first place? 
is the point that I'm trying to make. All right, because if police are going to come into these communities now militarized as we've seen before and they're going to have these big weapons and they're going to be in riot gear well what message does that send it's oh we're here to fight we're here to fight you and they shoot people with rubber bullets and and tear gas and everything like that and then they wonder well the people in the streets there they're being violent where does the violence come from Oh, uh, a, a cop pulls up on a 12-year-old boy carrying a toy gun and shoots him in two seconds. Where does the violence come from? You know, speaking of uh, Tamir Rice, uh, I think back in 2014, 12 years old, 12 years old. Breaking into uh, a young girl's house, doing a no-knock raid, and... Eventually killing her because her boyfriend starts shooting in order to defend them. They think it's an intruder. Where does the violence come from? All right. The source. We in America worship violence. The police have been, and not all police, not all police precincts, not all... Um, not all departments, but we have seen time and time and time and time again, the violent, in, the violent tactics and the intimidation that they use on victims of, on, on uh, people of color. Where does the violence come from? All right. So what I realized is that I didn't even think about it that way. And then there's people in America who, you know, they'll just quote uh, Martin Luther King all day and they'll say, MLK said to be peaceful. He said to be peaceful. You always need to remain peaceful. And while I'm not saying that's wrong and, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss uh, Dr. King's message in any way. No, no, no. MLK is one of the most important historical figures in our country ever. The problem that I have with that is when people start to use MLK as a tool, they, they, they say, well, you know, these people, they, they started to, they, they started to loot. They started to throw rocks at police, they started to become violent when the violence has been there and it's often perpetrated by those who are there supposed to uphold the law. MLK also once said that riots are the voices of the unheard. I'm going to wrap up there. I want to thank you guys so much uh, for listening. If you made it this far, um, you know, leave a review if you feel so inclined. Um, leave comments. Um, thank you. I love you. All right. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. I'll see you in the next one. JC Media.